Amen. Man, if, can you clap your hands if you're blessed by that worship? Uh, we know it's about Jesus and Jesus alone, but these guys um, up here and in the back, they work so hard to bring us uh, to the feet of Jesus each week, and it's such a blessing on this seventh birthday, right? Somebody asked me, how long are we going to celebrate our birthdays? I was like, as long as we keep having them, right? Like, you don't stop in life, so we're not going to stop. We used to call it an anniversary, and we thought, nobody got married. We were born seven years ago in a movie theater, 9, 14, 14. And uh, for me, you know how, you know, your, your actual birthday and your sometimes New Year's Day, um, when a calendar turns, you kind of get reflective, right? So for me, our birthday Sunday, um, and it, it, I just start to remember, you know, where we were and how things were and how crazy that first Sunday was. And man, we put it all in Jesus' hands and it was all about, you know, all the spiritual stuff that it's supposed to be about. But man, as we, uh, you know, got to the service time, it was about, man, where's everybody at, right? I just remember looking out that uh, Cary Crossroads door and looking for cars and, and seeing people slowly start to come in. And then weeks two and three, starting to see art because there's so many family and friends. And we like to do this and we haven't gotten to do this. So 2018, our birthday got ruined by a hurricane. So we had to like push it back three weeks. It wasn't quite the same. 2019, we got to five year, we got to blow it up and, and celebrate. But then last year we were online only, right? So it's been crazy these last few years, but I don't remember last time we got to do this, uh, but it's always fun for me. So just go with me. And, and at home, online, you can participate uh, if you want to. We'd love for you to participate. If you were in the building on 9-14-14 at Cary Crossroads Movie Theater, would you stand up? All right. All right. All right. All right. We'll clap for you. You're the OGs. You can sit down. You can sit down. That was, um, that was a long time ago, and there was a few of us that we, we thought, man, we're like a huge church. And then we started counting and realized, man, a ton of people came from out of town, a ton of people from my home church, a ton of our family, and they're not coming back next week. So we started very small, and God has been so good. I wanted to uh, show you this picture. This picture represents so much to me. This was not... This was not opening day, it was a little while after, but that's my wife and my oldest son. Um, and that's what we called load in and load out. So every Sunday we'd take everything out of these carts and trailer and set it up. And then the after this is after church and we're loading out. Would you stand up if you were ever, even for one day, on our load in, load out team? Would you stand up if you ever got to taste some of that goodness and beauty? All right. Thank you and praise God. That we're not doing that anymore. Man, so many things. We, we, we uh, talked earlier about just our worship team, and we didn't have one in the early days. We had to borrow from other churches and rent musicians. And, man, we, we just dreamt of a day and a moment like we had just a few minutes ago because we had a lot of people that hadn't been to church in a while, a lot of people that didn't go to church at all. And we, we dreamt of a moment where our vocalist could back off the microphone and you could actually hear the church of Jesus sing like we just got to experience. And there's, there's just so much to celebrate. Um, 82 
82 baptisms in seven years. Isn't that crazy? Beautiful. The, the last of which was you know, six weeks or so ago at, at Raf's pool in his backyard. Um, I mean, we got called a pool. That's generous for what this is. But it, um, you know, it, it counted. We got, we, got, uh, we got Kevin. We got him down. We got him up. It was a beautiful thing. And looking forward to, to that and just remembering in the beginning when there was just a few of us and there wasn't staff like we have now and so blessed by our staff and uh, honestly, some mixed emotions today. If, I hope you've heard, we, we announced probably four or five weeks ago that our worship leader, Vasti, previously Rodriguez, now Renhifo, um, is going to be joining her husband in ministry. That's not a loss. It's not a sad thing, uh, except for us. Um, but uh, she'll be with us a few more weeks. So we'll be celebrating and praying her out um, on October 3rd, uh, which is her last Sunday. But just who God has brought, not just staff, but just Man, quality. I think about some of those load-in, low, you know, 7 a.m. every, and that should be miserable, right? But it was because of who you were doing it. We, we, we laughed. We, we were a little grumpy sometimes at first, but man, as you go, it's, it's the who that God has just overwhelmed us with. To be financially independent three years in, uh, to be able to pay our own bills, you know, now for three years, to be able to watch God work like only he can work uh, that day in the theater when Stephen Scoggins, um, who owns this building, came and said, hey, God put Relentless on my heart. We've got a space. I want you to come look at it and how God worked in that. We've been here now for two and a half years. And the, you know, we talk about the numbers and the attendance and the finances and the baptism, which are all great, but, but it's the unseen stuff, right? It's it's God working in lives. It's the relationship. It's the spiritual growth. It's the increased faith. We really think and believe we're part of changing the world and making history. Not Relentless Church. not about our church name. It's about Jesus, and we're a part of a much bigger movement, right? And it's seven years into watching and seeing all of that happen. But I'm going to sit down. Can I sit down? I'm going to tell you why I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down because I'm tired, right? Not because I didn't get a good night's sleep. I'm not talking about physically tired, but I've been real, um, I've tried my best to be real honest with you as a church for seven years, right? And it's not just me. There's a staff that keeps me accountable and, and we all love that transparency. So as much as, man, the passion you see when I preach and get up and go, and you're going to get some of that in a second, that's real. I, don't, I, I pray for seven things every day. I pray for um, wisdom and perspective from heaven. I pray for boldness and passion. I pray for strength and courage from Jesus. And I pray that I would walk in grace and humility. I ask for those things every day. So I believe boldness is, is something from God, and, and that's all real. And the only way it stays real and true is if you don't fake it. And on our birthday, like it feels like a hype day, right? We're going to get some pelicans, right? Snowballs are waiting for us when we finish this, and we're going to celebrate as we should. But, but I got to be honest with you. I struggled getting there this week. You know, if you've been with us, through the years, our birthday Sunday, like that's a big deal. As far as attendance, it's always third. It's always 
Easter and Christmas and our birthday. That's our third most attended. And, and we pump it for all summer. Like, hey, here's how we're doing it this year because it never actually falls. It never, because of leap year, we've still never had a birthday on 914. It'll come. It's like on our 11th birthday. We'll have, but nine foot, it never falls. So we always, hey, this is the date. Don't be out of town. Don't go anywhere. Bring your friends. It's a great day to celebrate and give people a glimpse of who we are, where we're going, all that. And we didn't do that this year. In fact, we didn't mention it at all until last week. And it was kind of like, I should really tell you, <laughs> it's our birthday. And we didn't even, with the, with the snowballs that we're doing in the parking lot, which we did at the theater and it was great. And it'll be great today. But, but honestly, it was like Tuesday and I was talking to Kelly. I couldn't find my wife. Scared me. I cannot preach if I don't know where you're at. <laughs> Right? I'm so glad to see you, Juju, but I, you're not my wife. And I was like, what happened? So, um, I was like, do we, should we do like this? I don't know. It just feels, it doesn't feel, there's a lot going on in the world. It doesn't feel celebratory. And my wife and her wisdom was like, yeah, but we got a lot to celebrate in what God's done in seven years. So as, as I have at the best moments in my life, I, miss, I listened to my wife, and we, we got it done, and we're going to enjoy that today. But, but I wanted to just, when I say I'm tired, uh, here, here's, what, here's what I thought we would do. When we realized the pandemic was going to be months and not weeks, I got the staff together. I was like, listen. We've been behind, right? We're a new church. We get a lot of grace, but we, we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have some of the stuff done that we should have done. That's on me. Like, we're going to get ahead. We're going to plan because stress comes in church world when you're behind and, and not ahead, and, and we weren't ahead. We're going to get ahead on message planning. We're going to get ahead on our structure, some of our organizational stuff, some of our leadership stuff. We're going to use this time where we're not doing all the stuff we're normally doing, and we're going to get so far ahead, it's going to be awesome, right? And then... I tried to do that and lead that, and it just wasn't happening, right? And I, I didn't know then what, you know, as we learn a little more about what a pandemic is and what it might take from us, and it made perfect sense that this would be a great time for us to just get ahead, just plow through, right? We're home, we don't have, we didn't have our weekly services in here, we were online for a while, we didn't have anything going on in the church calendar, like it made sense to me, we'll get ahead, and man, I just struggled. <laughs> I struggled to get ahead or to even get things done. And then, then I don't know if you, then it was like, man, something wrong with me. This ain't pandemic. Like, do I need to go to the doctor? Like, I've always like, get out of bed and go get it. And, and that's like who God made me to be. And, and now like the most basic tasks seem like what in the world? Am I the only one? And then you start to question yourself. Then you start, man, is my mind is my mind playing tricks on me, right? Boom, 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 boom. It's a 90s, it's a 90s reference, right? Um, and in all that, I think what God has taught me is one, it's okay to be tired, right? It's something, when, when you're kind of a more energetic preacher, which that's all relative, some of y'all are like, man, you yell a lot. And some of y'all are like, kind of tamed from where I'm from, right? So that's all relative. But when you, when you, when you have that, right, I think for me, sometimes I feel, uh, I can feel guilty for, 
for being tired because I'm, I got to bring it, right? And you look at scripture and you see how tired the disciples were and you see how Jesus never like got onto them. Like, come on, y'all. It was like, you know what? You're tired. We need to get away, right? It was just, it's part of it, right? So you get into this, this place and I think we've all tasted that on some level, right? You can figure that out in your own world. And I think, I think God has whispered, you know, that's okay, right? Don't condemn yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't, don't, don't. But then with that, I think so much of our setup is avoid getting to a tough place. And that's kind of dumb, right? To try to spend life avoiding getting to a tough place. Because, like, who am I to think I might be immune to humanity, Right? Jesus said, oh, you're going to have trouble. Like, he didn't mix words. He didn't tell a parable. He wasn't secretive. You're going to have trouble. Right? But I've overcome the world. So instead of spending an effort trying to never be in a tough place, I think it's about do I have the tools and the support system and the plan to know what to do when I get into a tough place? with no shame or guilt for being there, which makes us human, but also having a God who's good who can help us not live there forever, right? Not that we won't have seasons of this and that, but it has. It's been a, you know, this, uh, look at this. This is my other picture of the day. Look at this picture of my, my wife and three kids right before we launched. Um, we, the, we all look exactly the same. as we, That's a great picture partly because I'm not in it, um, but uh, those smiles and those faces and that time in our life, but, but I want to show that to you because uh, I like it, but, but also because of the shirts, right? Those were the shirts we had pre-launch, and it's a pretty bold statement, right? A movement. We're beginning a movement, right? I thought we were starting a church. No, we're, we're beginning a movement, and it's not, it's so much bigger. The movement actually started 2,000 years ago. Like, Jesus started the movement. It's his church. But I saw that and I just, I don't know, for the last year and a half in, in what we've all been walking through, I've always believed that, but I haven't always felt that. Some days, it, for the first time in our seven years, in the last year and a half, it hasn't felt like a movement. It felt like I got to get this done. I got to come in this room. I got to look at that camera by myself. Thank God for Seth Helfrich because it wasn't just me. I could have a human with me for all those months and I the best I could and God blessed it, right? God's, but it just felt so, I don't know. So all of that to say, it took me to a place of assessing what, what are we doing and why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And this, this is so much bigger than church, right? You look at all the stats. Maybe you're one of them. Right, there's all the political stuff, which I ain't going today, about why you know, we can't have enough servers at the restaurant down the road. Right? And, and some of it is this, and some of it is that. And whatever you believe on that, God bless you. I don't care. I really don't care at all what you believe about that. What I know, though, in addition to all of that whatever, there's quite a few servers that no, I was a server, but Kelly and I, uh, it was a really romantic job. We worked at Olive Garden together back in the 90s. It was awesome. <laughs> I know what it's, you know, 
I think there's a whole lot of folks that worked in public service and you just get what you get and sometimes you get really sweet people that tip well and sometimes you get the other. And there's folks that like, you know what, the restaurants are closed and I'm gonna go work for DoorDash or I'm gonna find something else and then the restaurants open back up and they're like, nah, I'm not gonna deal with people again, ever. I got another thing and I'm never going back, right? And it's not just the service industry. Like that's what the stats, so many people is like, you know what? After we went, kind of went home and took a break and quarantine and online, now they're office and I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm not, right? And people are working, not everybody. We got some tough stuff going on, but people are working. They're just realizing, hey, I don't think I want to do what I was doing before all this. Why? Because we went through something, y'all. And I'm not here preaching it's over or any of that, but it's not like how it was. You know, my family is here. Kelly's family is my family and, and her parents like we, I don't even remember, we didn't go, we were real careful, we didn't go in their house or hug them. I don't even remember, right? Eight months, like something crazy. So, so what does that do? It forced, like what is really important on this planet? What are we really gonna spend time loving and being around and investing in? And a lot of folks occupationally decided, not what I've been doing. We had four churches that gave us money and support and all kinds of things to get us started. One of them was in Cincinnati called The Crossing, and it is led by uh, my old youth pastor. He was my youth pastor in Winston-Salem back in the day. Um, and then he went a bunch of places and ended up in Cincinnati, and, and they were super good to us. The trailer that we used to, uh, like they gave us that trailer because they used it at a school in Cincinnati. They're doing really well. Uh, they're, um, so, so this guy, his name's Kenny, um, Kenny White. And he, uh, he takes a study break, like a lot of preachers, every July. So he took a study break this July. And he um, took four weeks just to, you know, be with the Lord. And in that study break, he decided, I think I'm done. I think I'm done preaching and leading and pastoring. And he gave like a two-week notice. And then he preached his last message in August. And I watched it online. I was texting with him. And like, are you retiring? Like, you're not that, like, he's seven, eight-year-old years older than me, which super young, right? <laughs> Are you retiring? He's like, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm not retiring from living for Jesus, but I'm retiring from ministry. He's like, what are you going to do? He's like, eh. Then like two weeks after he had his last Sunday, he's working in a school system. He he's, took a different job and he's loving it. And it was just his time. And, and I got to be real. Like there's a bunch of churches and a bunch of people that do what I do that in the last year and a half have decided, I think I'm done. So I didn't want to ask that question, but I spent some time this summer and got away and went to a cabin, did some stuff I've never done, weird stuff to me. Like, what are we doing? Paying somebody to be out here in the woods? <laughs> but in that, I had to deal with like me. And am I done? Is this what I'm supposed to do? And this is what I want to do? Right? And the answer is yes. But I think God's showing not just me, but our leadership that he's developing here that we're going we're gonna to do a little different, right? And instead of getting all into that, right? And it's not crazy stuff, right? It's just, we talk about health all the time. Like, we want to be marathon runners in this, not sprinters. And we got to protect some things. And we're working through that. And, and instead of getting into all that today, I'm going to use that as a cheap plug for our Welcome to Relentless event. We're going to talk about 
who we are and what we're about. And this is not just for you guys that are new. It's, it is for you guys that are new, but if you've been with us, we, would, we want you here. All right, that's two weeks from tomorrow night. I told you we'll be out by kickoff. It's Monday Night Football, and the cowgirls, or cowboys are playing, and we will be out by kickoff on that night. Child care is provided. Um, it's a big night for us. So we'll just talk about who we're becoming, and I'll get into some of that. But, but instead of getting into all that today, I, I wanted instead to kind of tell you where I ended up and just asking some scary questions, honestly, um, about who we are and who I am and where we're going. Um, and what it, what it came back to, and I don't want to be cliche, right? It came back to the gospel. We're gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. But what does that mean? What it came back to was what really matters in people's lives. What do we, what do we really about? Here, here's what we believe, right? I'm talking right now. I, I wouldn't call what I'm doing right now or done the last 20 minutes. I, I wouldn't call that preaching, right? I'm, I'm sitting here having a conversation with my people at home and in the room. And if you're here with us and this is your first Sunday, God bless you. I'm glad you're We don't usually do this, right? Um, but you're in, you're in on the celebration. Like, you don't have to have any kind, you don't have to have stood up for load in. Like, if you've been here six months, six years, six minutes, you're part of the party, and, and we're glad to have you. But, but as I want to preach just for a few minutes, I'm going to preach this right into Pelicans. Snowballs, right? And I don't preach well sitting down. So as I preach, here's what we have believed for seven years and believe today. That God speaks in a thousand ways and we don't ever put him in a box. But he created preaching. And he uses this phrase, and, and we believe Paul wrote letters, and it wasn't Paul. It was Paul, but he was carried or he was helped or he was assisted by the invisible Holy Spirit. That God reveals himself through Scripture. That the source of Scripture is not man. It is God choosing to use men. And in the way he used flawed people to write what we call Scripture, he also used uses flawed people to preach his word. It doesn't make me perfect or infallible or unquestionable, but his word is, and my job is to speak his word on his behalf and that he knows what you're carrying. He knows what you were thinking a few minutes ago. He knows how tired you are or aren't. And again, I'm not talking about physical tired. I'm talking about just tired in your soul. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're struggling with. And he supernaturally, I cannot explain it. There's a scripture uh, in Corinthians that Paul uses the phrase, the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness that a dude up here who's got all the issues and maybe more than you is going to preach, but it's how God chooses to touch and speak to your heart and life. And if you come in here Sunday after Sunday, ready to receive, not from me, but from God, it changes everything. So I just wanted to share with you two verses that have been so, this is a series we're in. I didn't tell you that. Right, we've been talking about who we are as a church and who we're called to be. And there's two great weeks of that left. Please don't like next week and what God's called us, how he got us and, how, and now where he's taken us and our partnership with Honduras and all that. Man, you, you don't want to miss next week. And in two weeks will be our, our this is a, we can't do a series about who we are at Relentless without talking about the multi-ethnic piece. Because I've yet to meet a person that says, no, nah, I don't like multi-ethnic church. Everybody is like, oh, that's cool. 
But most people don't understand like what that means and that requires of us. So we'll hit that at the end. Today, I just wanted to give, this is us. This scripture has is, is been with us and been a part of our story from day one. And it is from Paul writing to a church in Corinth. And he starts with this. For Christ's love compels us. And that's a weird word, word that, the, that the translators have a... Tr- they have trouble translating. You look at four translations and they got four different words, constrains, controls, compels. It's, it's just an awkward English translation, but, but they all mean the same thing, that the love of Jesus, it controls me, right? It guards me, it protects me, it owns me, and it also pushes me, motivates me, compels me, right? I don't know if things are changing. I don't know why this is, but... In the last two years, I've heard more stories of people showing up at Relentless that were hurt by church than the first five years combined. I don't know why that is. And a lot of times, not always, a lot of times that comes back to a church being built on something where you were compelled by manipulation, you were compelled by guilt, you were compelled by shame, you were compelled by status, you were compelled by this person or this leader saying that you are, like your, your identity coming from that, all these unhealthy things. We're built on, man, we, we, Raph mentioned the next week, the kids, we'd love for you to get in on our kids' ministry and, and we have needs, but the compelling underneath that is always, hey, if you understand how much Jesus loves you, that's why we do what we do. Has been for seven years, will be for however many more years God gives us. You know, there's this phrase that's popular now, um, you know, know your why. What is your why? Just meaning, why do you do it? Like, that's what this is. This is our why. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. The love of Jesus, that's our motivating why. There's a comma there. Let's go on. We are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Reference to the cross. Now, we're a church for the untold and unconvinced. So wherever you're at, like, hey, I don't know if I am convinced. And we were so thrilled you're here. This is talking to the folks that have gone through that process of investigation and questioning and whatever and come out to a place of faith where I still have questions. I'm not doubt-free completely, but I am and have been convinced that one, Jesus died for all, died on the cross for all. And because of that, we've all, what does that mean? We've all, we've all died. That doesn't sound so great. No, it's, it's incredibly great. It's Because he died for all, we all died to what he died to. Because he went and defeated death for us, we all have have experienced and now gained the victory of the death he died on our behalf. It's the gospel, it's the incredible news of our rescue and adoption that we built and God built his church on. It's the most personal life-transforming, upside-down truth that we could ever talk about. That's why we always, always, always come back to it. And honestly, in my, like, what is going on and how do we function through all the heaviness that is in, and it's not just the pandemic. It's it's a lot of things that are just heavy. I got to come back to the cross. Right, we... We love Christmas. Oh, a baby. Jesus was born, right? We love Easter. 
rose empty tomb, rose, yes, 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 yes. But we, we cannot ever take our mind or our focus or our target off of what happened on the cross. His love is demonstrated perfectly on the cross. How do we know Jesus' love? How can I be compelled by the love of Jesus if I don't even know if he loves me? He does love you. Well, you're just saying that, Pastor. How do you know he loves us? I know because of the cross. It was a real hill in a real city called Jerusalem, and it was documented. And we know a man walked, carried, bled, and died 2,000 years ago. The most important event in history, that weekend of his death and his resurrection. Everything and what we call the Old Testament was setting up that. And everything since then points back to that. You know, Raph mentioned, as we sang that song, Jira, the Lord provides. And he referenced where that came from. Let me give you a little more of that since he didn't have time for in his you know, welcome moment setting up that song, Jira. It used to be like a story I ran from because, man, it's awful. The story is God... Right? Telling, asking, telling, asking, no telling. Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice, kill your son. Right? It's a dangerous story because there's all kinds of nut jobs out there doing stupid stuff under the name of God. And the reason is, well, God told me to. I heard voices, right? And it's like, how do you differentiate? Well, you know, God backs and validates himself up. All those guys that say crazy stuff that God told them to do, one, it's not in scripture, and two, they always end up doing crazy stuff, right? They end up in jail or killing themselves or killing their people, right? That's not of God. You got to go all the way into the story because it's true and it's real and it connects to the cross. It was way before the cross. How could that be? Because God is writing a story today. He's a relentless God who doesn't give up on anybody. And he told Abraham, I want you to go up here. I want you to kill Sacrifice your son. Right? And we find out later that Abraham is, we, we are like, what in the world could he be thinking as a father and a son? But he just trusts God. And at first glance, you think that's stupid to trust God when he says, but he trusted God so much that we find out later Abraham was thinking, well, he must, he must be doing something else. He's either going to not let me kill him or he's going to bring him back to life. Like he's so powerful and he's so God. There must be more to this. Even though what I hear and what I see is crazy. I know God. He must have a plan. He must be doing something that I can't see. So in that, it says Abraham was credited with And if you don't know the story, I should make sure I tell you right before He actually sacrificed his son. God said, stop. And he provided a ram, right? And that ram, which is in the same category as a lamb, then was sacrificed for sin because from the beginning, God wanted us to know that bloodshed is necessary and required for forgiveness of sin. So throughout the Old Testament, the Jewish people would do all kinds of sacrifices. So God, in that Abraham story, provided a ram to take the place of the son. And the reason he did that, because he knew there would be a day where he sent his son, the lamb of God, to become our sacrifice. 
that there was no way because of our sin. There was no path, there was no church service, there was no giving, there was no act, there was no goodness, there was no holy life that we could live that would earn our way back to God. We could not get there. Not the best of us, not the worst of us, all in the same human sinful bucket. So God, knowing we would never get to him, had a plan from the beginning to come to us. And because of God showed up in all his godness, we would just freak out in his perfect plan. He said, I'm going to put... Jesus, my son, who's fully God, I'm going to send him in a human body. Wow. What is God like? I talk to him. We sing to him. What is he like? Like, what would he be like to have a kind? Like, what? Well, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to put me, God, in flesh. A human body that's going to walk the earth, that's going to get tired that's gonna get tempted in every way, yet never, because of his holiness, never give in to temptation and sin. All, all the stuff we have about Jesus is, is beautiful, but it's all to get to one thing, so that he would go to a cross. That was the whole point, that his love would be demonstrated in the most gruesome graphic, torturous, unseeable, unshowable, if it was on video, event of the God of the universe and all his power willingly letting humans not just kill him, strip him, beat him, mock him, Nail him to a cross. Strung up for the whole city to see. If anybody ever thought this teacher was something special, they know for sure he's dying like an animal in the most gruesome execution form that mankind came up with, the Roman crucifixion. That is how God chose to demonstrate and visualize how much he loves you. When you're tired, when you're outright rejecting, when you're outright, I don't care what you say, when you're outright against his authority, when you're outright, I just don't care. In that moment, while we were sinners, while we were at his worst, Christ died for us. I don't need you to clean yourself up. I don't need you to have good church attendance. I don't need you to have any of the things that the world says make you. I love you. I created you. I know you like you can't imagine. And those are words that we write on a bridge that Jesus loves, and that's great. But I'm going to put something behind it that no one can question the level and depth of what I'm talking about when I love you. I'm going to come to earth. I'm going to die on a cross. And on the cross, I'm going to willingly take your sin. He didn't do him. You did. I'm going to own your sin. I'm going to receive the wrath and penalty of God for your sin, not just yours, but everybody at the same time. And it's going to literally kill him. And at the, all through that, he had the power to snap his fingers and end it. If you weren't worth it. And he chose to let people that had no right and no power over him 
to look and think that they did. Why do we keep going? It's the love of Jesus. Right? I have a few slick messages. I ran out of those way back at the theater, right? What, what we got that's better than any slick message is the love of Christ. Just keeps pushing us. Right? I told you last week, and you thought I was kidding. I meant it. We're asking you to join Panther Nation. <laughs> Right? Some of you have your own football team. We just asked to be second. Nobody, there's teams that are hateable. Nobody hates the Carolina Panthers. Right? One of the reasons that they're our church team, whether you like football or not, because their whole phrase is, their motto is keep pounding. That's straight from scripture. Right? <laughs> it's just a perseverance. Like that's, you go read the story. Like, that we just keep, why do we keep pounding? Why do we keep going? Right? Because, well, we're seven years in and we can't stop now. No, we go because Jesus loves us. Amen. He really does. And if you don't know that, if you haven't tasted that, if you're like, I believe in God, and I guess he loves me because he loves the world. No, no, no. It's individual. It's personal. It's life-changing. If you haven't tasted that, that's why you're here to really go all in on what does it mean to be loved by Jesus. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died, comma, last part, so that he died for all that those who live, verse 15, would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. We're compelled by the love of Christ, right? So don't get this twisted. Oh, I got to go live for God, right? I used to think that was, you know, I come over here. He's the coach on the sideline. Hey, give me the play. All right, I'm going to go do this for you. I'm going to come over, you know, and I'll come back. You tell me how I did, right? That's not what it's saying. When you talk about live for Jesus, it is Jesus, like we sang before, in you. Jesus inside. He doing the work through you. Your job is to surrender. But it does come from the love of Christ compelling us, being convinced that he really did die on a cross for our sins. That happened. It's real. And he rose from the dead to back up everything he ever said and was. And because of that, we get the privilege and the joy to choose every day. I'm not going to spend my tiny little life on this earth living for me. I want to, I'm so compelled that he would look into my stupidity, my rebellion, my, all my issues, knowing better and this and this and this, and he would still die for me. And the reason he still, because he loved me that much, that is a life-changing truth. I'm going to live for him, and I'm not just going to live for him. I'm going to believe that the power of the cross and the resurrection is alive today. It's alive in my workplace. It's alive in my broken relationships. It's alive in my marriage. It's alive in my emptiness. It's alive in my broken dreams. The power of the cross still is here and working and with us. It's the only explanation for Relentless Church that we would joyfully choose to pour our lives out for something other than ourselves. Here, here's, if you were offered the deal today, don't answer me out loud. You're gonna be happy more than you're not for the rest of your life. You're going to be healthy more than you're not for the rest of your life. And you're going to have 
at least some level of success, however you want to define that in your life. Happy, healthy, successful. And at some ripe old age, you're going to die in your sleep. Isn't that the way we want to just die? Just, I, was, I went to bed, stomach full. I don't know what happened. I was there with Jesus. All of a sudden, you die in your sleep. And that's it. That's all your life is. Some level of success. You and your people are, are happy more than you're not. And you're healthy for the most part. And, you, and, and, and that's, that's the deal. That's all life is. For his, the, Would you take the deal? A lot of us, and when I say us, I'm including me. I think even in the mess of this last year and a half, I think... I think our answer is lean towards yes. I think I might take that deal. Church, that's not us. That's not a deal we're taking as a church. We're not going to waste our life. Well, well, healthy and happy, that's not a waste of life. Like, we're not against those things, and God is not against those things. He, he's he's pro-health and pro-happy and pro-success. That's not why we're here. That's about you. And there's more emptiness in living for you than anything else. That we are convinced that one died, we're compelled by the real love of Christ, so much so that we choose to pour our lives out. If we get some health and some happy, great. But we'd much rather have joy and peace that no, nobody can take away, no matter the circumstance. And we want to pour our short, tiny, little segment of life out on behalf, to live for him, not for me. That's how he created you to function. That's how you're going to operate best. That's what we're trying to do seven years in. Learn as a community, a multi-ethnic community, what does it look like in the greater Raleigh area for us on Sunday mornings, but even more importantly, out into all of our lives to actually go this week compelled by the love of Jesus, taking the love of Jesus on mission to live not for me, but for him. What we're about. You know, the American dream, I'm not against it, depending on what you mean by that, right? But it's void of pouring yourself out. Usually the American dream is pointing back to you. I think the good that's come from all the bad in the last year and a half is that it forces us to evaluate what are we about? What's really important in your life, in my life, in the life of the church? And to me, in a very beautiful, clear way, God continually, continually takes me back to the cross of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the return of Jesus. So I have doubts in moments, but he continues to build my and our faith. He really died for our sins. He really rose from the dead, and he will return for his church. And if you believe that, you can't halfway walk that line. The only right decision is to take all of your spiritual poker chips and put them all on Jesus. 
Not too sparse here, like I'm going to bet Jesus on this, but I'm going to do a side bet over here just in case that's not real. I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to put a side bet over here and I'll, you know, it's a win-win. I'm putting everything I got happily and joyfully and confidently, not because I have any confidence in me or in us, but so much confidence in the risen Jesus, right? I have so much confidence that he did do what he said he did and he will do what he says he's going to do. I'm putting everything I got and we're putting everything we got in the hope of Jesus. And we'll keep doing it and we'll keep pushing and we'll keep pounding until one day this is over. Nobody's going to talk about relentless birthdays in heaven. Nobody's going to care. We're going to be with him, the one who died and rose. We're going to be with him forever. Amen? We got a song to sing before we get those snowballs. And it's going to be a declaration of that as a church. All right, so I'm going to pray us into that. If you want to stand, that would be great. Father, we, we say things like everything's in your hands and everything's in your control. And, and that's true, God. We, we, yes, you are in control. But God, when we study how you've revealed yourself and what you've told us, you, you put a lot back on us. We get daily decisions every day of what we're going to put our hope in, what we're going to trust in, what we're going to live for. God, I pray anybody listen to this message, you know, after today, live, online, in the room, like there's, there's no, oh, I need to do better. I need to live for Jesus. I feel, no, 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 no. God, just help us be compelled by how much you love us, that you don't love us any less when we're tired, that you don't love us any less when we're broken. You just love us because that's who you are. And because of that, God, we can, we can excitedly and joyfully recommit, want to put all my chips I want to bet on Jesus, not with my mouth. God, help us bet on you with how we live, decisions, relationally, how we live this week, God. May it be a life and a church and a week lived, betting on the hope that only Jesus can give. We thank you. In his name, we sing. Amen.